I think just always being like, I'm a Leo. Um, so like always being into the stage and also being like, you know, I'm into, was into acting and, um, dancing has always been a huge part of my life. And then, uh, you know, just being, being sensual and like loving exploring that piece and like playing dress up, like all of my, and, and humor. Those are like all my favorite things combined and burlesque was just that. And I was like, that is the thing. Hey fam, Zenya here. Welcome back to Chasing Artists. Today, we are chatting with burlesque dancer and empowerment coach, Olive Von Toff. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And head on over to patreon.com slash Zenya to join the fam and help keep this show going every single week and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes content, and early access for my music and writing. Again, that's patreon.com slash X-E-N-J-A. Your support means the absolute world to me. And a special plug for today's episode, the Kickstarter campaign for my first short film, Running With Wolves, is now live. You can donate by going to www zenyafilm.org that's www.xenjafilm.org and clicking on the donate here link or you can go to the description of this episode where you'll find a link to the kickstarter page we have some amazing rewards linked to set donation amounts or you can donate an amount not listed by writing in your own number this campaign is live until september 22nd so head on over now to donate unlock awesome rewards and be a part of creating impact and elevating humanity through creative storytelling. I'm so excited for you to be joining me wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week to Chasing Artists. Olive on Top is an empowerment coach and burlesque dancer hailing from the royal city of Guelph, Ontario. Self-proclaimed pleasure slut, Olive empowers women to challenge and change their thoughts, increase their self-confidence, and unleash their inner badass. Through mindset work, movement, and mindfulness, Olive helps women explore their deepest desires, discover what they truly want and go after it, and access the pleasure they deserve. Her goal is to take down the patriarchy one self-loving woman at a time. Hi, Olive. Thank you so Hi. much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So I like to start with how my guests and I have met. Um, and this is the first time that we are actually meeting, um, mm -hmm. but we met through Mary Snow. I had her on the podcast several weeks ago and she was like, you have to have this person on Aww. your podcast. <laughs> so Mary's fantastic. She, oh my gosh, she's amazing. And yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. So Olive, can we start with what brought you to burlesque dancing? Sure. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like one of those things where you're just like, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you were just like found out something and you were like that, that is the thing like that. Is <laughs> yep. I am totally. To that. <laughs> I think just always being like, I'm a Leo. 
Um, so like always being into the stage and also being like, you know, I'm into, was into acting and, um, dancing has always been a huge part of my life. And then, uh, you know, just being, being sensual and like loving exploring that piece and like playing dress up, like all of my, and, and humor, those are like all my favorite things combined. And burlesque was just that. And I was like, that is the thing. I finally feel like I've found my thing. I, I have done belly dance for many years. That's how I know Mary. Um, and I love belly dance. Don't get me wrong. Um, but when I, when I found burlesque, it was just like a, it was a fit. Yeah, totally. Can you explain a little bit about what burlesque dancing is just for listeners who may not know? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll try to spare you the like history spiel. Oh, you can totally. Oh my God. I'm so interested in history. Please. All of the history. Sure. I can let you know what I know. Well, so it is burlesque actually comes from the Italian burlesco, which means to like parody or joke. So it actually has its roots in like satire and, and parody. So, you know, a long time ago, it used to be like sort of making fun of like upper class sort of like things like ballets and operas and um there was no stripping in it at that time I tell our I tell our students like it's like kind of like Saturday Night Live kind of like Mm. it was like of the time you know um and so um yeah it it traveled to America and at some point like related to prohibition primarily like obviously people um it it was it was learned that women taking clothes off drew (laughs) drew more people (laughs) yeah um so striptease was added in but that wasn't until way way later um and so uh eventually it kind of died out for a little bit after like the sort of accessibility of things like like pornography and like um strip strip clubs like what you would know as strip clubs kind of turned into um they used to have like featured dancers and such which would be like kind of burlesque and then I think they they did away with that and so it had kind of like a resurgence in the 90s um and you know now it's quite popular and I would say typically I would describe it like kind of like a variety show with a strip tease so people don't strip down completely so there's you know pasties so like nipple covers and um like a underwear of some sort often like a g-string which kind of just comes from a long line of like what I would say is also like really intelligent women finding ways to like um kind of get around the laws yeah you know? even still like it, we've even run into that trying to do shows it's like the, the line is kind of gray, but because you're not like full on stripping, then it's like can be perceived as, you know, performance art or whatever you want to call it. So it can be, it can be, um, you don't need a particular like license and there's zoning and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's another <laughs> less interesting thing. But, um, so if you were to go to a, a show now, it would be pretty, like pretty broad. Like there's a huge variety of what kinds of, like acts you might see so there's what we call like classic um which is probably what you might imagine I mean most people um know who Dita Von Tees is she's sort of like the biggest um rel- like today name in burlesque 
Um, but you know, like very elaborate, beautiful costumes, um, very like, um, just sultry, but, um, I, I guess feminine for lack of a better word, move, movements. And, um, sometimes there's like a particular skill set, like people add in like silks or, um, like floor work or, or hoops or whatever. Um, and then there's also like neo burlesque, which is, you know, also really broad, but like nerd, nerd burlesque. So like comic, comic stuff or pop culture references, or there's some really weird stuff out there. There's some really political stuff. There's like a lot of gender bending, drag, et cetera. Um, it's kind of all over the place, which is what I love about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I love variety. Like it, mm-hmm. it's cause like the same thing, like, day after day after day after day it gets really old really fast absolutely yeah yeah there's i mean you know it's <laughs> because it's so popular i mean most things have been done in some form but you go to a show generally i think personally a well curated show um has a lot of variety in terms of of the acts yeah definitely how long have you been a burlesque dancer um i started doing it in 2013 so what is, I guess I'm coming on eight, eight years. Is that, oh, math. Yeah. Wow, eight years. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. That's so fun. Yeah. What's, uh, what's some of your performance styles like? Um, I tend to be more like Neo. I like to be, um, really stupid on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do classic, like I, I do classic and I do sometimes combine, um, like some belly dance in, in my burlesque and, um, yeah, I've done, I guess those more traditional, but I do like just, I do like making people feel like I like making people laugh and making people feel kind of uncomfortable, like Mm -hmm. not in a, like, you know, but just in a, like pushing boundary a bit kind of way or just being kind of dumb. And I really like to have a, a storyline generally, Mm -hmm. like, why is my character taking off their clothes? Do you find that like a comical underlying theme can kind of like help to push boundaries a little bit because people are maybe more relaxed? For sure. I think um, it's interesting. Like I think in general, like at shows, especially there's people like there is a bit of a cadence, like people have to get relaxed in order just like people aren't sure a lot of people aren't haven't been to a show before they're not sure what to expect like um and I think comedy obviously helps do that we tend to um I'm part of a troupe called the Femme Rebels we and we do shows so we tend to like um schedule a comedic act like in the beginning but not right off the top so people can kind of like ease in and yeah I think people you can you can um, say a lot of things in, in comedy for sure. Yeah. How do you structure a show? It really depends. Like you kind of want like a, like a crescendo. So like generally a host will come out, like we often have themed shows. So a host will come out, do we, we have a lot of hosts that sing. So like, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's a good start. So like a, a song more of a, like what you might expect, like a classic number um and then like kind of um I mean it's like I don't know you have to start strong and end strong too right but you kind of want to like 
keep people kind of laughing or, or like, or just like, sometimes we'll, I guess it varies. Like we try to space out stuff that's maybe too more similar. And like, you know, if you have like a, a, a an emotional number or like a political number, like you might want to like bring, bring things back up after that. And it's a real yeah. art. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The, that like comedic relief. Mm-hmm, for sure. And you want to leave people like at the end feeling like at the end of usually we do two acts when we do our sometimes three depending on how many numbers and like there's like a the logistics of like trying to get like people changed and how many performers you have blah 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 generally we do two acts and so you want like people leaving like on a really high note after mm-hmm. both right um, so that's kind of the that's the the goal anyway yeah so how is that like similar to how you would storytell like your own act? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I like to, I like to have like a lot of my acts have a lot of juxtaposition, like real stark ju- juxtaposition. I try not to do that all the time, but it, I do like that. So like you think that you're getting something and then it quickly like turns to something else right or Mm -hmm. it gets really silly really quickly or like um yeah that that's my favorite especially like that that kind of tension between like um I have quite a few acts that there's a bit of like tension between like repression and sort of um not surprisingly given the work I do like repression and sort of like um empowerment I guess and like ownership of one's own body etc so that that comes out sometimes in the storytelling too yeah totally do you have like a any like either or both like like amazing 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 or horror stories from a performance oh um I mean luckily I haven't had anything too too terrible I mean like so many things have gone wrong right like just like like any live show yeah yeah like just things didn't work I used to be really prop heavy I used to use a lot of props and then I realized that that was like just so many factors. Right. And like, you have to take it with you and there's so many things that didn't work out. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think like, definitely I have like friends who have experienced that where getting stuck in your costume is one. I've definitely had that. Um, when, when my troop mate one time, uh, forgot, she, I can't remember if this is the same show where she forgot her pasties and she drove back home to get them like half an hour. That happened once and it might have been the same show where she she had two versions of the act where she had one where she strips and one where she doesn't strip her bra. And she, in her head, she got them confused. So she didn't put her pasties on, but she stripped. But she oh didn't know that. So she did the whole act and everybody was just like, oh. <gasps> And she had no idea until she walked off Oh, that's rough. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, like, definitely lots of mess-ups. And, like, I know we were in a festival one time, and we were doing a – so there's three of us in the troupe, and we were doing a clockwork orange act, and um, we, like, come in really menacing. This is, again, an example of tension. We come in really menacing, and that's a really provocative film. And um, then it breaks into Uptown Funk. And you can like feel like the, the relief of the audience is so palpable. They're just like, oh, thank God we don't have yeah. to like 
Um, but we come in menacing and we're like hitting sticks and uh, one of the other troop mate. So their names are Ruby Moon and Lilith Lemons. Lilith hit the stick and broke it. So it was like just this like shank of a stick. And I don't know, I like couldn't control myself. Like I laughed <laughs> the whole act. Like I couldn't get myself together. Like, I, I mean, I, I managed more or less to do the choreo, but I was just, it was it was, it was just so many dumb things. We're like twirling sticks. She has like a stick that's like a foot oh long. And like <laughs> dumb. But yeah, I mean, people definitely have a lot worse stories of like getting stuck in things or terrible things happening with audience members or breaking things, you know. Well, I'm yeah. lucky that way. I actually haven't even, knock on wood, which is pretty rare. I haven't even lost a pasty, which is like pretty common, usually especially in the hot weather, like a pasty will fall, fall off mm -hmm. mid, mid act. That's a pretty common thing. And I have yet to have that happen. So yeah, sure knock I, on wood sure for that one. Yeah. <laughs> so can we talk about your work as an empowerment coach? Sure. I'd love to. What does, what does this just like entail? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's coaching. So I don't know what people's understand about coaching but I would say like I use mindset work so it's a really a lot of recognizing how your thoughts create your feelings which creates your actions which sort of creates your life and so when we want to make changes in our lives we often do it from a place of action but um, doing it from a place of looking at our thoughts at the same time, <clears throat> excuse me, being really willing to like feel our emotions and, and experience them in our bodies. Um, you know, trying to do more body work with folks where um, we just spend more time being in our bodies because as I work with people doing things like around boundaries and like desires and needs, like a lot of that, <clears throat> excuse me, I work with women primarily um, a lot of that knowing is like, we have that, but it's been really, I think, um, socialized out of us, like to not trust ourselves and to not trust our own cues and intuition. Um, and to like really try to start recreating sort of a, a trusting relationship with our bodies, um, so that we can be aware of those, those things. Um, and then, so movement is also one of the things that I try to use, um, and obviously like burlesque is, is good for that. And also just like sensual movement or even just like guided movement where your body wants to move. You just let it move however you want to move it. So, um, yeah, so it's basically, it's not therapy, um, but it's really about truthfully, like what I have found in the work is that it really comes down to like feeling like people's relationships with themselves and feeling like enough and like feeling lovable and like their self-esteem, like you can do career coaching or you could do, you know, I don't know, family coaching. But I feel like so much of that when you like strip all the stuff away is really about like basically just feeling like enough. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've been, let, so I've, I've been in therapy for many, many years. I mean, I, and I've also, I work with a life coach and I work with a career coach and I work with like a lot of people who we do that work too, where like, we're, like what's at the bottom of everything, take everything away 
what are you left with? What limiting beliefs are you left with? Mm-hmm. And how can you combat those? Totally. It's hard, but it's, yeah, it's so, so important. I, I love that you call yourself an empowerment coach because yeah, that's totally, we all need that. Good for you too. It's hard work. You're right. And like, who's, I mean, one big thing that I'm really, you know, I try to work on with clients and myself is like, whose thoughts are these? What thoughts are you having? How are they driving the bus? And like, whose thoughts are they? Because like most of the time they're not ours, right? We just have a thought. We have 60,000 thoughts a day or whatever. And we just like do stuff because of it. And we don't spend the time stopping to think about what that, like why, you know? And, and so often it's like, do you, do you, whose thought is this? Why do they like, who benefits from you having it? And do you want to have it? Like you have a choice in whether, I mean, that's simplified, but you do have a choice in whether we, we believe it or not, which I think is empowering thus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I love that. I love that you put it that way because it's, it's like once we become aware of the thought, then it is kind of our choice or are we going to hold on to it or are we going to do something about it? And you're so right. Like a lot of the like beliefs that people have, I, you know, their projections from other people, society, like a lot of them totally. are not our own. <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. Well, we're, we're not born hating ourselves. Right. And I mean, I think it's, it's really, for me, I find it super accessible to think about like the patriarchy and like the systems that benefit from me having these thoughts. And so like, I think about it as a form of like, quiet revolution or resistance where I'm like no I can I'm gonna actively refute those like I'm gonna I'm gonna work to unlearn those because like they're keeping me like small and they're keeping me you know all you know for whatever term you want to call it not stepping into my power not like you know fulfilling my full destiny etc so yeah yeah definitely So can you like, like walk us through like an exercise that you would do with a client to like help them unleash, as you say, their inner badass? (laughs) Sure. Um, Yeah, it really depends. So like one exercise that, you know, I would do it. So I'm teaching a it's called F perfect course. And it's really around like, yeah, just the not thinking the not thinking you're not good enough stuff um, is really like meditating on situations where you were like really certain about something and like what that feels like in your body, what situations where you were really like certain that something was not for you or like, you know, a strong no. And like really just spending a little bit of time in those feelings in our, in our bodies, like, again, to sort of establish that trust of like, oh, we do know, we do have these cues, there are these things going on that like, I do know when something is really, really good, like is a, is a yes and a no. Um, but all the reasons like, you know, that I've been socialized to not, not believe them, you know, and that might be another exercise where we look at like, what are all your thoughts? whose thoughts are these? Where do they come from? Like what, what feelings do they create? What do you do when you feel those feelings? And then how is that transpiring into your life? Mm. Do you, have you ever had somebody like 
who uh for whatever reason like has out of body experience like dissociations because i feel like that would be real like body work would be so important it's yeah i haven't i have had um it's like super important too that you have some sense of safety right with your body and so i i have only had one client who had dissociations and like PTSD and I was like I don't think especially because it was a group it was in a group I was like I don't think you should do these activities yet Mm. like you need to be like if you want to do them with your therapist or like somewhere where you can like you have to really titrate up that sort of safety and like I certain I consider myself pretty trauma-informed I've done a lot of my you know muggle job life is in sort of mental health and addictions but I'm not a therapist and like so sometimes there's stuff where I'm like you need to be in a certain container for that that you know I can't provide um but yeah also acknowledging like for other people where um similarly to myself where just being gentle because like sometimes your body doesn't feel safe or that you've adapted to um not feel things in your body because that was that served you at some time and it might take a really long time to like be able to start feeling and identifying emotions like I still am doing that work you know and and (laughs) I remember a therapist being like what are you feeling and I was like I don't fucking know (laughs) (laughs) I'm so in my head right um so just being gentle with that and, and acknowledging it's a, it's a process. And for some of us, it's a really long one. Yeah, no, totally. I was thinking about like how important it would be to also just like not rush this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. I usually start with the mindset work with clients because it's, um, it's more, it's way more, it makes sense. Most of us are in our heads anyway and then we start with like really small things like mindfulness of just like go for a walk and notice these things like have a shower and like notice these things just like movement again is like I think for a lot of people um another sort of accessible way to just practice being in your body without having to be you know full-on body scans sometimes like I have chronic pain and I struggle with body scans because it's like the the reasons I don't feel those things because I've like been like my body has been like nope don't want to feel that like let's numb it out so I get that and so really whatever you know taking the lead of the client but it is slow and yeah I would generally start with the the mindset stuff yeah so can we switch to talking about sex ed and the importance of just like normalizing conversations around sex sure I love it yeah Yeah, absolutely (laughs) um yeah I'm I don't know like at one point I was running some sex ed workshops um and I do some sex ed and sex ed stuff is kind of weaved into a lot of this um yeah I mean also because I get to so many so many of the women that I work with, like we haven't had a, we haven't really had a proper sex ed um, curriculum and it certainly hasn't been focused on pleasure. Right. 
Mm. hasn't been focused on pleasure or like desire or communicating, um, you know, need and things like that. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but my sex ed was like, and I, I have pretty progressive parents. So I had a, a more, um, you know, rounded sex ed education than a lot of my peers, but you know, it was like, what, what happens, right? Reproductively. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm so I grew up uh, in a Catholic household, went to Catholic school. So I don't think I received any sex ed. For sure. And I, so many people, right? Especially when we get into shame, I'm often Oof. like, are you, are you Catholic by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's real prominent. And it's, man, I just, that stuff is deep, right? Like those are some formative years. Yeah. So practicing some patience too, as you unlearn it, because like, that is that is some deep seated stuff, but it can be unlearned. Oh, yeah. It took me probably, probably three or four years. And I'm still like, I I wouldn't say that like, I'm cured or it's all gone. Like, there's (laughs) definitely still shame. Um, But like, it, it for me to notice that like, oh, yeah, there's a different, like the shame has at least lifted. Mm-hmm. It took years of work. For sure. That's amazing though. I mean, like, good for you and hooray. But yeah, yeah, it does. And I mean, again, I wasn't raised Catholic, but like I still have a shit ton of shame and like I still have to do a lot of work around that and be like, mm, why am I, why do I have this thing? Like, where's this coming from? For sure. Yeah. So what have you ever faced like backlash with sex ed because like there is like it's a societal thing of like I don't know I feel like it's like don't talk about it oh for sure yeah I think it's funny too because you know you if you run in circles and you know I am friends with a lot of burlesque performers and sex educators and so it becomes normal so you forget what isn't normal for people so like I intentionally do say things like masturbation and I do make videos like in somewhat related to masturbation. And, um, I've definitely experienced censorship. So Facebook and Instagram do not like, in my opinion, women having autonomy, but, (laughs) but, um, yeah, anything like I silly named my workshop series, sexy ed. And so in, in hindsight, I was like, it, it flags, right? That picks up and, and blocks everything. So advertising has been an issue for sure. Um, personally, like, I'd say not a ton in like my personal life. Like I have, again, progressive people in my life. Um, I did make a, <laughs> I made a video. So May is masturbation month. So I made a video about masturbation facts and I was just like po- pointing to them with vibrators and some, <laughs> <laughs> some 13 year old commented was like lady this is you need a therapist this is messed up <laughs> oh my god you know and wow. for a second I had some shame because I was like oh like why is this 13 year old seeing my stuff and like I sh- maybe shouldn't and I was like no wait this is the whole reason like had you know just the masturbation is that that was the message, right? Like masturbation is perfectly normal. Um, and, you know, people use vibrators, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's pretty funny. So other than that 13-year-old, I haven't, 
I haven't experienced too much backlash. Um, other than, you know, I think to the other side of that is I'm going to generalize here. Um, but I think doing burlesque and doing sex ed, um, there are some men that see that as an invitation to like talk to you in certain ways or send you pictures of certain things, etc. Um, but otherwise, no. Yeah. That's that, that is a, a whole nother topic. <laughs> sure is. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting one though. Oh my gosh. I totally had a question that flew out of my mind and I'm hoping that it will come back. Hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Ah! <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so, so I, I was going to say, I think that, um, like a lot of people probably want this information, like, and appreciate Mm-hmm. that people like you put it out there and, and that it's more accessible because like and I, and and it's probably just like the the shame thing that like you know mm-hmm. stops it from being like you know like a revolution or like totally public but yeah no I think I think it is definitely um like people like people do want the information it's like educate I mean education is like for in my opinion I think education can make a lot of things seem more um like acceptable or or whatever once you know totally totally and I think most of us just want to know that we're normal right (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) you know especially in this like sex is so vulnerable and we don't talk about it you know and lots of people aren't particularly transparent about their experiences um So, I mean, I'm hopeful too, because like the wealth of information that is out there now that wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. when, when I was growing up, um, I'm hoping that that just makes for a far healthier, healthier, happier uh, generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And more empowered. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think it's like, it's, it's. totally lost my train of thought again oh my god (laughs) I like don't know why I have a podcast because I'm so bad at like thinking on my feet it's fine you're you're interesting and you ask good questions and if you have to edit who cares very true (laughs) other than your your editor or whoever is doing it oh my gosh I know he probably knows like more about me than anybody (laughs) just by listening to these podcasts and then I'm like can you cut that I super admire, like, I, I've thought about having a podcast many times. And it, first of all, it looks like a lot of work. And uh, yeah, similarly, like a lot of those things, like thinking on your feed and like, you know, coming up with things that are that are interesting for people. Like, I, I hats off to you because it's not easy. Thank you. I appreciate that. I had someone, I forget who it was, but but they were like, when you like because I'm not like the most like the greatest communicator you know speaking wise they're like that makes you relatable and I was like oh okay cool (laughs) like great (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah um so okay what's next for you do you want to talk about the sensual healing class oh sure yeah um so um yeah lots of things are next but um 
things are winding down for the summer. I plan to do some some prep. So I'm hoping to launch a, a sensual healing class in the fall, which is kind of like what we're talking about, like a combination of like body work, so to speak, some sex ed, um, some mindset work around confidence and our bodies and our relationship with our bodies, and then paired in with some like sensual movement stuff and like just just you know embodying our full you know energetic goddess selves um so yeah that that's gonna be launching in the fall and then I'll be you know running my f perfect class again and teaching some some youth about body image and some other youth about confidence for the workplace but uh yeah, those are kind of the immediate things on, or those are, that's what's on the immediate horizon. That's cool. Do you want to talk more about the body positivity and uh, confidence in the workplace? That's interesting. Yeah, sure. Those are both like community things that, you know, people ask me to do. Um, so the confidence in the workplace is for um like youth that are returning or getting into to work. Um, and it's kind of a lot of the same stuff around like noticing our thoughts, like how are you a jerk to yourself? Um, you know, how are you getting in your own way? Um, and how, and, and feeling our feelings. Um, That's an important one. <laughs> it is. I think yeah. a lot of us don't have emotional capacity really like I think um I really do think that we aren't taught to be able to tolerate our emotions at all and um once we learn that skill we there's like nothing we can't do oh totally the thing that we're most scared of is feeling our our feelings like Mm -hmm. everything that you're scared of the outcome is like I might feel shitty I might feel sad I might feel anxious um, so if you're willing to feel those things, then like, what can't you do? Um, so really working with them on that. And then like, they asked that I do some like, um, sort of mental wellness stuff. So we'll, we'll be doing some mind mindfulness and like anxiety stuff. And then, you know, goals about how to, how to build goals and, and well, you know, kind of how to work backwards from those and like, what do you need to be thinking and then the body uh I yeah I I call it like body acceptance it's a body image core um what do they call them units so it's for high school um for a couple of high school classes and so it's just like kind of the same things we've talked about like discussions about the thoughts we have about our bodies whose thoughts these are who benefits from them our choice in, in thinking them. And then like some activities around sort of really trying to shift the focus on like what our bodies allow us to do and experience I'm trying to like create that sort of friendship for lack of a better word, or just like less, less hard on ourselves. Um, and yeah, there's some movement work in that as well. It'd be, getting a bunch of teenage girls to dance around oh my god (laughs) no I love that I think that's that's so like I I think like everybody has body image issues like we all do 
Yeah. And it's one of the things that helped me learn to love my body was this idea that nobody has the same body as me. Like pe- yeah. we can have like similar body types and similar, but nobody has the same body as me. So I'm never going to look like somebody else, you know? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's working with my own body and, and loving like my own, just the way that I am, I am built. Yeah. That's powerful. And it's, it's tough. I mean, for me, <clears throat> because of having chronic pain stuff, it really changed my relationship with my body to, and not, not in like, not in any ableist way, just of like, what, how does it feel? And like, what can I do? And what can I experience versus like, you know, what it looks like? Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I don't still have that stuff and those hangups, but like, it's certainly, you know, I think like <laughs> people say like health is the first and foremost, like when you don't have that and you like really don't care what you look like if you're not if you feel terrible all the time well that's so true that's that's not entirely true I know there's a lot of people who care very deeply and are feeling terrible because they care so deeply but when you're so limited in what you can do I think it shifts the perspective a bit Mm -hmm. yeah I've I've had a uh, a lot of pain too I've uh, recently been working with Reiki. So I've had, Mm -hmm. I've found relief through Reiki, but yeah, I I can definitely relate to chronic pain. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So much fun. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I think that's part of the thing of like chronic pain aside, just like, you know, you you get older. One of the graces of getting older is giving less shits. And I think really, (laughs) I think, you know, I see older women and they're just like, who well not all of them but a lot of them like who cares right like mm-hmm. that you you understand the the preciousness I guess of life and how like short-lived so many of those things are and like how important your relationship with your body is in terms of like taking care of it and like loving it versus you know trying to make it look a certain way yeah an yeah. unattainable way too because oh, it's airbrushing yeah. and totally. photoshopping and totally. Chasing oh yeah the impossible for sure mm-hmm. yeah sometimes I'm like I just want to live on an island by myself with mm-hmm. animals <laughs> like, yeah I can see the appeal right you know and I even notice like I don't well I don't really watch television and like or read magazines people do that still I think but I'll even notice like if I you know, you know have been seeing magazines at the grocery store um, or if I've been on social media a lot like it's pretty noticeable how quick my my thoughts change around like my myself mm-hmm. like yeah if I just don't see any of those I'm like kind of in a bubble <laughs> yeah yeah it's the our uh our like media diet can be really, mm-hmm. really influential. So is there anything before we jump to final five that I didn't ask about that you want to share? Um, I, I don't think so. Is there anything I should be talking about? <laughs> no, not necessarily. <laughs> That's just something I always like to ask people. Yeah, just, it's a just good in question. Case. Yeah, no, no. I was just doing interviews and that was like one of the questions, which is good. 
Can, like, what do you need us to know about you? No, I think those are great questions and I appreciate your curiosity in asking them. Cool. Okay. So final five speed round. Question okay. one. What How fast is, do I have to go? I, it's literally fine. Most okay. most of the time, this is not speed round because I'll then like interject and we'll just go off on tangents. It's okay. Fine. Okay, cool. So uh, first question, what is your favorite thing about burlesque? Oh, well, <laughs> um, I think the diversity just like um, and the sort of envelope pushing that happens there. I, I really love that, that aspect for sure. And boobs are great, but 100%. Um, second question what was your favorite burlesque costume piece to wear oh um I have I like dressing up in I I dress up as Bob Ross and Dwight Schrute which are both two of my favorites I also like being Magic Mike so apparently I like doing drag um but I have some like you know fancy I have like a so, so I'm just gonna say all of them no um I have a Jekyll and Hyde act where that like I changed from like a Victorian gentleman to like a a Victorian woman to like a like kind of like um like body cage and it's like a, a quick change that's a pretty fun costume um and like I have a, another costume that's just two sort of airy panels that make a dress that end up being kind of like a fan which is nice um it's very pretty I don't love wearing corsets they're very uncomfortable and uh I did an aerial act in a corset one time that was that was a choice yeah that is I've done I've tried to do belly dance and then I'm like "Mm, you can't see anything (laughs) let's get this off (laughs) yeah yeah they're pretty awful I, they are. And I love them because, okay, yep. I have the boobs for them. Like yeah. I, I can do it. So <laughs> I, yeah, but it's like under half an hour. Oh max. yeah. That's it. Like I actually am, have like a bit of a reputation about being the last person to get dressed. Cause I, oh like, I don't want to spend any time in this costume that you have to. And like backstage is so unglamorous. Like everybody's basically like talking about Basically, you put on a corset and you immediately have to go to the bathroom because it's like squeezing <laughs> your bowels and you're like, hey, yeah. what's that? What? I'm just about to go on stage and pretend that I'm sexy, like that I feel <laughs> sexy. Um, so it's, it's it's all an illusion. And then you get backstage and hear what people are talking about. It's pretty hilarious. I love I love the backstage vibe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> OK, question three. What's one thing you'd say to people who think burlesque is wrong or immoral? mind your business um (laughs) (laughs) no I would say like you know if it's not hurting anyone who cares um and like you know I say to folks who have questions about it being feminist or not like what is not feminist about a person being on stage claiming their sexiness owning like feeling confident you know strutting their stuff in a body that they have been told their whole lives is, is not right. Like, I don't, I can't think of anything more feminist than that. So. Yeah. Especially because it's your choice to be doing that, you know, like no one's telling you to do it. Totally. (laughs) Don't come if you don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love that. Um, what advice do you have for someone struggling with sexual shame? Oh, lots, but I mean, yeah, it could be an entire episode <laughs> on its own. <laughs> I would say short, short advice is like, um, you know, being gentle with yourself, understand, like understanding that those thoughts, like we talked about are not yours and they're deeply ingrained and it will take time. Um, but they can be unlearned and there's a whole world of, of pleasure out there for you. Cool. Last question. What's one thing you've learned through your work and journey? Ah, one thing. Just oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that we have more power than we think. Um, more control. And I don't want to negate the fact that like, there are, you know, there's, there's privilege and people, um, have certain barriers and like choice is more, const is constrained, more constrained for some people than it is for others. Like, so I'm, I don't want to, you know, just be like, you can choose. Um, but that at the like very core of it, that we do have choice in, you know, how we think, like we can't control much of anything and the link to like how her self love online course react to things mm -hmm. yeah i love that oh my gosh thank you so much for being here and chatting with us it's thanks so, so good. much for having me it was fun yes uh family go check out olive's work you can find her through her website www.olivevontop.com and her social media she's on instagram facebook tiktok and twitter at olive von top all of that is in show notes where you can find her bio thank you so much for tuning in i hope you have enjoyed your time today please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time.